Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my beautiful guest for today is Anna Clint. Anna works with women all over the globe to heal their painful past in order to create lives they really love. She uses state-of-the-art energy healing tools and transformational listening, coaching, and teaching to guide her clients out of confusion, self-doubt, and perfectionism, and into a life of grace, ease, connection, and purpose. How beautiful. Welcome, Anna. Thank you for having me, Emmy. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you, Anna. It's it's an absolute blessing to have you with us. And I cannot wait to dive into a conversation because I know I'm going to be learning loads from you today as well. <laughs> That's generous. I'm sure I'm going to learn, learn loads from you too. <laughs> <laughs> now, Anna, let's just dive straight in. Now, since my podcast is called Sacred Feminine Power, I love to start by asking my guests, what does sacred feminine power mean to you? Well. You know, I've been sort of meditating on this and on the surface, that question is very straightforward and easy. And I found that it's very nuanced and not necessarily easy um, to answer. I mean, sure, there's canned responses that I could give you. But as I've been reflecting on this last week, which has been a very intense week in the world and, um, and just on where we are as a human race I've just been in this place of like really feeling into the powerlessness that can be the result of, you know, actions that are happening at the world stage and how we can feel uh, like we can't make a difference. Like I can't do anything to stop Russia at the Ukraine border. Like I'm completely powerless in that regard. And I completely powerless feeling when it comes to, you know, creating policy around what's happening specifically around COVID and all of the, all of the restrictions and mandates and things like that. And so it got me thinking like, well, how do we, how do we deal with this? Right. We don't like feeling powerless. (laughs) And so then it brought me back circling to like, well, what is the sacred feminine and how can the sacred feminine like help me deal with my sense of powerlessness in in these times. And I just came back to something very simple about just allowing my connection with the earth to even deepen and grow and like, and how that is the sacred feminine and, and about this idea that, and I hate this, like, I really hate this, but like letting go and surrendering, which is just a a constant spiritual practice for me because I hate it so much (laughs) and I don't want to let go and I don't want to surrender and I don't want to be powerless, but to, to, to really let go into that deep magnetic and electromagnetic connection with the earth to let go into a state of not needing to know how I can create a difference and a change in the world. And then that led me to this place of curiosity and wonder, which is that when we are tapped into the divine feminine, what kind of energetic power, soul power, uh, power that can't be seen or touched that isn't on this physical plane, like what does that lend us 
And can we affect change from that place? And so in some ways, I have more questions to your question than I have answers. But that's kind of where I've been like flowing with the thought of what the sacred feminine means and how on earth am I going to talk about it? Hmm. Thank you, Anna. And then you've kind of taken us straight to some very, very potent, very timely issues that um, we as a collective have been dealing with now for a while. And I love how you chose to use that as your entry point to this question as well. And I also love how that letting go and surrendering that that can be so challenging is mm-hmm. really at the heart of the deep feminine, the deep feminine mystery, the very feminine energy as well, and the beauty of the feminine as well, and how much we need that in our world at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Now, yeah, go sorry. Ahead. Did you want did you want to expand on that as, as well, or no? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, and I was wondering if you could share a challenge that you have faced in your life that's really helped you to activate sacred feminine power within you and on your path. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I've always said that spirit comes knocking at my door and then I don't listen and I don't listen and I don't listen. And then I get the wrecking ball. (laughs) I get the the SWAT team knocking down the door. And so in some ways, you know, this idea about surrendering and letting go has been so challenging for me because of, you know, my own ego or my own thoughts about how I wanted to be moving through the world or, or how, you know, what kind of, we'll call it work, you know, I wanted to do. And I was a practicing artist for a long time. And I, and I had lots of ideas about how that was the path for me, but they were not, um, those ideas were not also incorporating spirituality into my life. So they were devoid of spirituality. And and in in that way, spirit said, "Uh uh-uh, this is not, this is not your path. (laughs) Now I could be an artist and also be spiritual, but at the time I was not. So I want to make that very clear. Like there, it's not that you, you can't be spiritual if you're an artist. That's not what I'm saying. But so when I was 40, I had just finished a year of an intensely grueling art project that was community focused. And I created a documentary and uh, an exhibition and a catalog. And I interviewed a hundred people in this town that I used to live in. And I was talking to people about the effects of the foreclosure crisis that happened in 2008 in the United States and, you know, rocked the world everywhere in terms of, you know, financial stability, but in the United States, that's what I know. And that's all I'll speak to. And so this big, huge exhibition just opened, you know, we had the opening and like two days later, I turned 40 and I thought, man, I'm really making it. This is it. It was a, I had gotten a huge grant. I was getting all this recognition and um, did what I thought was a really important storytelling project because in, you know, in California and in the media, the people who were caught up in the foreclosure crisis were maligned and slandered. They were scapegoated. And there's a lot of parallels <laughs> to what's happening now in terms of people making their own, you know, medical choices and uh, the scapegoating that goes on there. But so I was 
doing the storytelling project. And I, um, and I was invested in it because my husband and I had even um, ended up short selling a, a home that we had because we were so far underwater that, you know, we, we would, it just would have been untenable for us to, to um, proceed. And we, you know, because of all the issues, like we couldn't really get out of it any other way. And so mm-hmm. it was personal to me and I was holding really deep space. And I was talking to people about suicide and abandoning pets and getting kicked out or locked out of their homes by the sheriff because they were renting and their owners weren't paying the mortgage and the bank, you know, came and, and seized the home, but they had no idea. I mean, all of these really terrible things happening to people that you know, I just wanted to tell that story for what it was, as opposed to people were gaming the system and trying to, you know, you know, take advantage and all of these things that the media was saying. And so I, I did this project and I burned myself out so completely. And I was also just striving with so much perfectionism and so afraid of judgment and judging myself every minute. And just knowing that people were going to see this work and they were just it was going to fall flat and I was just no good. And, you know, basically just um, really like afraid of, you know, being seen as a failure, even though I had just produced this you know huge project and like made a difference in the lives of people. Now, whether the art critics liked it or not, you know, whatever, but I made a difference. I allowed people to be seen and heard in a way that they hadn't been before. And that was so important and valuable, but I didn't understand at the time what I was doing and holding this deep space. And I didn't have spiritual practices, uh, energetic boundaries. I didn't have any of those things that would have made that emotionally safer for me to do. I just like, just plunged into it. And I was driving myself way too hard, overworking, not eating enough, not nourishing my body, not taking time to rest. I mean, it was just a, a mammoth exercise in, um, in, in self-destruction really, you know, towards this high, holy end, which was this, you know, project. And so, you know, the project opened, it was great. You know, it just went forward and I thought, this is it. I'm going to, you know, this is going to be the launching pad to really like, you know, an art career that's, you know, viable and where I can make a living and, you know, all these other things. And, and of course, none of that happened. And what did happen was that my body started to deteriorate rapidly right after everything closed when I had to, I didn't have to keep producing anymore. Like the work was done and my body just went, Oh, we can't do anymore. And my mom had been saying for years, oh, you have adrenal fatigue. You need to take care of this. And I was like, get out of here. I don't have that. And she was totally right. (laughs) I had total adrenal fatigue and, um, and it all just went kaput and everything that I wanted was now out of reach because I had no energy. I couldn't sleep at all. I got super depressed. I got suicidal and, um, and I felt so alone because, I was with my husband and he said, I can't help you. Like, I don't know what to do to help you. You have to figure this out. And I couldn't really talk to people about it because I was ashamed of how I felt. And so I, I was in this deep, deep place of that mystery, that darkness, that dark night of the soul. And because I didn't value myself and, you know, and I, I, knew that going to a Western doctor just, you know, on my insurance plan was 
actually, I don't even know if I had insurance at that time, was not going to do anything. They're going to prescribe me antidepressants and tell me there's nothing wrong with me when I knew quite well that there was something very wrong with me. And so I knew I had to seek, you know, alternative healthcare, which meant you have to pay out of pocket. And I didn't value myself enough to do it. And so mm. I struggled and struggled and struggled. And then finally, you know, the suicidal ideation was so great. And I just knew it was like, this is just, this is untenable. Like I can't, I just have to. And that, that first dollar amount that I spent was so trivial compared to all the money I've spent since then, you know, and it, but it was so pivotal to say, I am worth health. I am worth like having my life back. But in that dark space, I surrendered because I had no other choice. Like it was, you know, it was like do or die. And that's when spirit started talking to me because I got so quiet and I, my ego was like, we're done here. I don't know (laughs) in that, like that, that suicidal ideation was also part of like ego dying. Right. It was this, it was this, these ideas that I had about myself and who I was and how I wanted to be in the world. I knew that I was unhappy with so many aspects And it was like, finally, like we cracked open that outer shell and I knew, and I was scared to death because when you have ego death, you just don't know what's coming next. Right. And so I was scared because everything was riding on that. My whole entire identity, who I was an artist, a maker, a creative, this, that, the other thing. And, um, but I knew that I was making from a place of fear and not love. And so I said, until I can make something that comes from a place of love, I'm done. And that's what happened. Mm. And it, it was that, you know, like it was like crying every day on the floor of the laundry room, you know, and like, just going like, God, goddess, spirit, universe, all that is, what the fuck can you please like help me because I cannot do this on my own and I don't know what to do. And it was like, every day I just got a little voice that, you know, that sacred feminine, you know, the God voice, the goddess, whatever you want to call it, that just said, just make it through one more day. And it was like, and the next day, surrendering, 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 just make it through one more day. Okay. I'll surrender to that. And and it was this, and it seemed like, you know, it seemed like it took a millennium, (laughs) but it was, you know, it was a couple of months of being in that, that real deep, dark, what I look back and it is like a womb space what I was in. I mean, it was terrifying for me at the time because, you know, my identity was on the line, but, but there was, you know, when everything falls apart and you have no responsibilities, cause you can't do anything anyway. Like I didn't have to get to, I didn't have to go to work cause I couldn't work. You know, I didn't have to show up for anything cause I couldn't. And so it was this very deep wintering period for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for sharing so openly and vulnerably about your story. And I know that what you have shared now will be medicine for so many of our listeners as well. So thank you for for sharing that. And yeah, I can I can so relate to that, that need to push yourself because you don't really recognize your own worth and your value and you're looking for that external validation and at the same time scared of what people are going to say and what kind of judgment or criticism they might be holding at you so absolutely absolutely. yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. And then even shame for, for wanting that external validation. So it was like, even like another layer of like, why am I 40 years old and still needing other people to make me whole, to say that I'm okay. And knowing, mm-hmm. you know, there was some part of me that was aware that I needed that validation. And that part was like, you know, and let's add some shame to this cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Quite a cocktail that it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and now that you're on the other side of it, what do you what do you think was the hidden blessing or the meaning in that challenge that you went through? Well, for sure, I know that that challenge set me on the course to actually uh, being more aligned with purpose. I'm a creative person. I'm always going to be making things and, you know, but I may not call it art. It might be a birdhouse. It might be, you know, a meal. It might be an offering, a course that I create, but, um, but this idea that, you know, I wasn't really doing work that was aligned with my soul mission in this lifetime. And, you know, perhaps I wanted a break. I've been told I've been a healer for many, many lifetimes. And perhaps there was a part of me was like, that's boring. Let's do something else, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, um, and not that artwork can't be, you know, healing in its own right. It certainly can be, but um, for others, both for the maker and for others, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't getting that sense of fulfillment in the way that I do now. And so I know that the hidden blessing was like, like, uh, dude, you're on the ra- you're on the wrong road. You're moving in the wrong direction on the wrong road. And like, actually, um, let's shift your timeline. And I feel like that's what happened, you know, was that I was on one kind of quantum timeline and it intersected in a train wreck essentially. But on the other side of that, I, everything looked the same in my life. I lived in the same place. I had the same friends, had the same husband. I had the same body, the same name, all this stuff, but it was like, I was suddenly on a different road and, and then things started changing very, very quickly for me after that. You know, um, it was like, I had to play catch up in a way of all of the training and the learning that I had not done in the spiritual um, areas, but I had done in other ways, um, I had to play catch up and, and it was like, poof, like a lightning fast. It was like on a rocket ship, you know, heading out to outer space to like, <laughs> it's like what it felt like for a couple of years of just like intensive learning and studying and, and remembering things. Sounds like quite an initiation on top of an already intense initiation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. Totally. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel that all of this has really prepared you for the times that we are in at the moment that many people would also call an initiation and, and the great initiation, in fact? How, how do you feel this or everything that you've gone through, how has it prepared you to really navigate and kind of flow with the intense times that we are in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking a lot about because of, you know, what's been happening now, but also just, you know, what's been happening in my life over these last number of years. 
And, you know, I had this realization, I'd say two or three years, two years ago, where, you know, when we're teenagers, we know everything, right? (laughs) Yeah, you can say that to my teenagers for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We know everything. We can see the hypocrisy of the adult world very clearly. We can, we see, you know, our parents trading their time for measly dollars. We see the sacrifices that adults have to make just to put a roof over the head, over their heads and, you know, food on the table. And there's some part of us that knows that, yes, this is, this is necessary. We need shelter. We need food. Of course, we're teenagers. We love both of those things, but, um, but in a, the teenage mind, there's this idea that there must be a better way. Like there just has to be a way that you don't have to sell your soul for 40, 50 years of your short life to be part of this system. Right. And then of course you go to college or not, you get a job, you get another job, you get more jobs, then you get debt then you, you know, and then you suddenly realize like, oh my God. I'm one of those hypocritical adults that I thought were so, you know, blind and asleep. And it's like, holy shit, how did that happen? And so then about a couple of years ago, I just started feeling like, you know, that, you know, the energies were shifting. This is pre-COVID this. Oh, so it must've been maybe even longer ago than that if it was pre-COVID. And it was, like I could just like, I had an energy, you know, read on what was happening, just like the energy of the earth. And and I could feel something coming and feel something really intense. And I had, of course, no idea what it was and would never have predicted this. Um, but I, I was starting to have these feelings and thoughts and glimmers that were really reminding me of like what it was like to be a teenager and to be so anti-authoritarian and to and to be questioning all of these systems what is going on with these systems they're not working they're not supporting us they're it's just it's it's broken like straight up and i was like this is so effed up what is going on and i was just like whoa like i'm having like a different kind of, of awakening right now and i feel like i'm becoming a teenager again and now like fast forward and i'm and i'm even more so there saying like why isn't everyone questioning authority the way that we used to 25 years ago, 30 years ago? Like when I was a kid, like in America, we used to question authority as just like a matter of fact. Of course, not the whole population did, but a lot of us did. And we were not, I mean, I was a punk rocker. So that's kind of like where that's Mm -hmm. coming from. But even the people that didn't identify in that way, were still questioning authority, questioning mass media, questioning, you know, the military industrial complex, questioning all those things. And now it feels like um, we are actually having a resurgence of that finally. But through so much of this initiatory time, I felt like, wow, how come people are not questioning anything? What's going on here? And then I was questioning the not questioning. And so this is a long way of saying like, you know, I have a, I have, I, 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 that punk rocker in me kind of like never, never went away. She got kind of buried and, you know, I, I, you know, do tend to follow the rules and like to try to be a kind, considerate, compassionate fellow member of society. And, and not that punk rockers can't do that, but, you know, like it's, it's, um, 
I feel like that kind of foundational training has led me to this point now where I can say, all right, we don't even have to talk about COVID and restrictions or any of that stuff. We don't, cause that's where everyone's disagreeing and we have so much division and pain and, and hate language and all of this stuff that's happening, but we can talk about other things. We can talk about how we're just um, treating each other outside of that. We can talk about how we're treating the earth. We can talk about how misogyny is a rampant part of Western culture and how women are meant to hate themselves and how women are meant to um, compete with each other and tear each other apart. And we can question all of that stuff. And we can find that we're participating in systems that are not serving us and that are actually designed. It's not, it's not a bug. It's the feature designed to make us powerless. And when we feel powerless, we shut down, we get angry, we get diseases. Mm. And we don't live our purpose. We're too afraid to live our purpose at that point. Yeah, exactly. Or it's become so out of touch. Like we can't even see it, right? Like I couldn't see my purpose. I was, you know, you know, making art, making, you know, metal furniture and, you know, um, architectural pieces and trying to, you know, be valued as well as a man would have been in that field. And at the same time, I was undercutting my own wages. I was my boss, but I wasn't setting my wages correctly. I was, you know, I wasn't charging what I was worth. I was, you know, doing all of the things as if I had a male boss who was keeping me down. Like I had internalized that so deeply that it was really difficult to break out of. And it took Mm -hmm. one of my male friends to sit down with me and say, this is what you charge per hour. This is how you mark up your, your costs. This is what, and it was, and when he did it and we made a little spreadsheet and I was like, oh, look at that. And it was like, I need, you know, like, and you know, he's a, he was, you know, one of my best friends. And so of course he wanted to help me, but it was like, I needed that man to like, put down, like, this is your value. This is what you're worth. That's how deeply I'd internalize that. And I, and now that, you know, it's like, we don't even think about all the women who live in the corporate or who work in corporate, you know, um, jobs that are completely maligned and slandered, not seen, not heard, you know, I'm talked down ideas, not accepted, like all of that other stuff that happens. So I feel like all of these things that I've experienced have just led me to this place of like being, you know, in some ways I can be really. I don't think self-righteous is the right word, but I can evangelize like too much to be like, everybody wake up, wake the F up. It's time to wake up, (laughs) you know, and like, not everyone is ready. Not everyone wants to hear that. Um, But for those of, you know, for those who are ready, you know, I hope that, you know, I can, I can lend that energy and that desire to start questioning these systems that are not embracing the divine feminine that are in fact thwarting it in every possible way that they are able to. And I know these systems are coming down. I just couldn't tell you what the timeline is. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think all these systems and structures that we have been, as you say, so programmed to believe in and trust in are really crumbling down and very quickly around us as we speak. And for a lot of people, it is very very scary to to witness this process to the point where you kind of close your eyes or bury your head in the sand rather than actually acknowledge what is happening yeah 
That's right. And so that's like the exact parallel to the ego death, right? I've Mm -hmm. been saying for a while, like everything that we're experiencing internally in the, in the micro is happening at the macro level as well. And so, you know, when I had that dark night and I knew like art making and architectural ironwork was not like my purpose and my calling, and I didn't know what was, so there was a void there and that void was terrifying if I could say to you, okay, well, you're going to put aside this work and you're going to do work that's going to light you up. You're going to make a difference in the world. It's going to you know, be X, Y, and Z. If someone had told me that, I would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Let's get this over with. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> but it was like this, this tiny slicing away of the ego every day. And I think that's what's happening now collectively is that I think you're exactly right. We're seeing these systems crumble. They're, they have a death grip on us because they know that they're close to the end. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're trying even harder to keep things the way they are or to reverse and make things more draconian than they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're watching it crumble and we don't know what's coming right? We have, we all have our own ideas, right? It's, you know, the new earth is this beautiful place where, where love prevails, we get along and this and that. And it's like, okay, well, how am I going to feed my kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do I feed my kids in the new earth? How do I find a, you know, like, how do I, you know, find my people in the new earth or, you know, what happens when my parents die in the new earth? Like all of these things are still going on. <laughs> we still have to mm-hmm. do all of this. And, um, and when you're in survival mode, which is where, you know, the powers that be have firmly planted us very recently, but also, you know, this patriarchy plants women in survival mode, period. And, um, and probably men too, right? This idea that you have to forsake who you are and just provide for your family at all costs and, and you know, you know, sell your soul so that you can have a retirement. Like that's, that's real for men and for women. Yeah, and so it's, sure. you know, like when we don't know where we're going, we humans get very scared and that's just part of, you know, like being able to understand that and embrace that. That's where also this, you know, sacred feminine comes in. That's the deep winter space. Like it is scary right now. I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and the ability to surrender and just trust, trust them more than ever before is so incredibly important and also very, very difficult at the same time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because when we're feeling fear, the last thing that we have capacity for is trust. Mm-hmm. We just don't. We just don't. It's, just, it's physiologically impossible and, um, you know, psychologically, I think, you know, like when we feel fear physiologically, we like there's changes in our body, right? When we mm-hmm. feel fear, the blood rushes to our core. No, that's wrong. The blood rushes away from our core, right? To our (laughs) extremities. So we can fight, so we can run. Mm -hmm. Our vision literally narrows. So we have tunnel vision. We cannot see the bigger picture when we have fear. It's impossible because we need to know straight ahead what rhinosaur, you know, rhinoceros, rhinosaur, what dinosaur (laughs) (laughs) is, is like, is about to charge us. Right. And, and like, and that's physiologically what happens. And then psychologically, it's very similar. Like we just, um, we, we divert to the basic things that need to happen. I need to make sure my kid eats today. I need to make sure I can get to work today. I don't have time to worry about the patriarchy or to worry about misogyny or to worry about the, the, you know, 
climate or the environment or, you know, the new earth. (laughs) It's just like, Mm -hmm. I just have to survive today. And then tomorrow I have to do the same thing again. And they've put us here systematically over, you know, many, many, many decades, if not hundreds of years, if not millennia. And, Mm -hmm. and now it is our, it is our, actually our opportunity. It's actually a gift. We have a possibility to do something that people that came before us did not have. We have opportunities because of our, our expanding consciousness that, you know, I mean, just think about your grandmother for a moment, no matter how old you are right now, whether you're 18 listening to this or whether you're 80 listening to this, think about your life and everything that you take for granted and that you enjoy about our modern time. And then think about your grandmother (laughs) and no matter what, no matter where you are in this world, your grandmother had a very different experience than you did. And we're talking two generations, you know? And so what we have actually can feel very daunting and challenging. Like, you know, it's, we're tasked with something. And at the same time, I would say you listener are here for a reason and you chose this timeline. I chose it every day. I ask myself, why the heck did I choose this one? (laughs) Like this one, this one is not easy right now. Why on earth would I choose this one? Why would I choose these, these parents that would, you know, create in me these lessons that would then lead me to this. Um, But in truth, it's an opportunity. Mm. It is. It is an opportunity, perhaps the biggest opportunity that humankind has had now for centuries in terms Mm -hmm. of our collective ascension process and the ascension process of our planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So who's got the courage to ride the wave? (laughs) Right. You know, it's like, I think there's that, I'll I'll probably get it wrong, but there's that phrase, like many are called, but few choose to answer. But I actually think that everyone is called. I don't think that there's anyone who isn't called, you know, and I, and I hear other people say that, you know, like in this lifetime, we're all, we're all awakening. And so we're either going to awaken while we're alive, or we're going to awaken at the point of death. And that's it because like this simulation is closing. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is run its course and, and we're, (laughs) we're going to do a different simulation. (laughs) Um, And of course, how do we know if any of that's true? It's just speculation and, and, and it's, you know, but it's an interesting thought experiment, but this is the initiation, right? It's like, there is the death of the old and we are reborn into the new and it's, it's, every initiation, you know, every culture, every human culture throughout all of human history has engaged in rites of passage and initiations. And in the West, we have lost that to some degree. Of course, we have like high school graduation and we have weddings and things like that. But even so, we've lost this idea that this is an initiation into something new. It is a rite of passage instead of like, oh, we're going to go get a free meal and some drinks and do some dancing at the wedding. It's like, no, this is like a really powerful ceremony. Um, But because we've lost touch with this kind of essential spiritual nature, you know, and I do believe that we are spiritual beings and, you know, but Western culture has really um, poo-pooed spirituality, like basic, basic spiritual principles. 
Mm-hmm. And um, that have nothing to do with religion that, you know, do not conflict with or um, negate religion in any kind of way, but that are just, you know, basic to um, our makeup. And, um, mm-hmm. and so we, we don't, we don't have someone to shepherd us. Like we collectively have to shepherd each other through this rite of passage, right there. I mean, I, I do believe we have energetic support on the other side. But in this concrete 3D reality, there isn't someone that's saying, okay, I know the way, let's go. Like, you're going to leave this behind and it's going to be scary, but you're going to be okay because on the other side, this is going to be, you know, and that's what a rite of passage has been, right? You send the young men out from the village on their first hunting expedition and they have to go out for so many days. And when they come back, they're received as, as men, for instance, and, you know, the moon lodge or this and that for women. But in the sense, like, we don't have anyone saying, okay, we're, <laughs> you're going to get through this. And on the other side, like, we don't have a guide. And that is, is and it's, it's really up to us. And in some ways, you know, again, terrifying. And in other ways, whoa, so, so exciting. <laughs> like, this is our opportunity. It's like, you know, and I think, Emmy, you know, I, that's how I see your work. I mean, that's how I see my work in some ways, like on the micro level, I'm shepherding person by person through their own initiation. And that adds to this collective initiation. And the more of us that can, that can have that death to the old, the perfectionism, the striving, the grasping, the ego, and then move into this place of equanimity, love, peace, compassion, like we have to all do that individually, but it makes a collective difference. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And and that is such a potent point on point uh, that uh, as, as you started, it can feel really overwhelming and scary to know what to do in this situation when you are just you, one single individual. But the most important work is the work that you do as an individual how you change and shift your vibration and how you change your limiting beliefs into empowering ones and how you really just, you know, have the courage to look beyond the veils, look beyond the veils of illusion and, and allow yourself to see at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's our, that's our opportunity and our invitation right now Mm -hmm. is to see at a deeper level. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I know that you're going to be hosting a wonderful event, a festival. I love that word, festival. Could you please tell us a little bit more about that and what we can expect from that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. The festival is called Resurrect Your Phoenix Heart, Heal Your Past to Find Your Purpose, Freedom, and Joy. And um, we are going to launch April 1st on the new moon. Well, it's the new moon in my time zone. (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be the day before for other people in the world, but we're launching on the, on April 1st. And it's a four day festival with pre-recorded and uh, conversations, really deep, honest, um, unscripted conversations about awakening, about purpose, about um, healing. And, um, and we're going to run for four days with four days of live events. There's going to be live ceremonies, live workshops, live meditations, and just lots of opportunities to engage with our incredible uh, roster of experts. I'm so excited that you are going to be participating, Emmy, and leading us through a womb activation. I just, I can't wait. It's going to be 
wonderful. So I just really um, invite people to get in touch, to be on my list, Emmy's list, so you can make sure to hear about it. It's totally free and um, open to everyone. Most of our events are going to be happening in a time uh, at a time zone that's that works for um, uh, the United States and Europe and Africa. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that we'll have a, a lot of people tuning in from all over the world and getting this ascension energy juju flowing and just connecting in a way that is so vital that, um, you know, we have been um, denied access to deep levels of connection. And that's what we're going to be fostering together. That is so beautiful. And I cannot wait to be part of this. And thank you so much for the opportunity to to be a part of it. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) well how how would our listeners find out about this festival and about your work as well Anna yeah um best place to find out because I am um abstaining from social media best place is just to go to my website and my name is Anna but it's spelled a-n-n-e so it's a little confusing but my website is www.a-n-n-e-m-k-l-i-n-t.com And you can join my newsletter there. Um, And uh, that would be the best way to find out about the festival. Maybe we'll put a little banner page on the homepage so people can, can find it there too. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be the best. And, you know, I, I, uh, I write love letters to my community. We do free meditations and, um, you know, uh, a lot of just sharing tools and, and healing and, um, and so, you know, come on, join our team, <laughs> join, join the Flourish community. I really heartily invite you. We also have an online community that you can join after you um, learn about us on the mailing list. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I understand you've also got a gift for our listeners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for reminding me. I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I created the Flourish 10-Day self-compassion challenge because learning to love yourself is such a foundational aspect of healing work. You can um, do lots of surface work. And if you are still stuck in those old ways of thinking, the internalization of, you know, of self um, deprecation, and in my case, it was full on self-loathing, but um, to unwind from that, uh, I created this 10-day self-compassion challenge. It's totally free. You can find it on my homepage or you can find it at www.selfcompassion.rocks, R-O-C-K-S. And um, it's a 10-day journey with lots of different tools because we're not all the same and we all need different tools, but lots of different tools, lots of reflection questions to guide you towards a deeper sense of self acceptance and self-compassion, which of course leads to self-love. And once you get that piece down, it's like everything opens up to you and it firmly plants you on the road to purpose and joy and deep levels of connection with other people. Sounds beautiful. I'm going to go have a look at that myself now. Thank awesome. you, Anna. You, thanks so much, Anna. You you have shared so much, so much wisdom and so much, so much of an invitation to go deeper, 
and to really start to reflect more within ourselves about who we truly are and the opportunity that we indeed have in front of us. So I really, really appreciate your perspective and your embodied wisdom, Anna. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I appreciate so much you allowing me into this beautiful sacred space that you've created and giving me the opportunity to, to share and, um, and to be seen and heard. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Anna. Thanks. Now, everybody, just for a moment, let's focus our intention and our awareness on this beautiful and inspiring energy that's been activated. And imagine sending this energy to everybody and everything on our planet to remember that we are all truly one and that the more of us have the courage to step into our sacred feminine power and really look behind the veils, the more quickly our planet will also ascend and heal. Thanks so much for being here.